As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with Joel Renner, Paul Renner, Denise Renner. I just wish that Philip Renner was here, but he's doing what he's supposed to do in the United States. Yes, we miss him. But Denise, I have to note, this is the third home group that you've worn spots. Yes. That's kind of your new deal. You've, in the recent years, you've really liked to wear spots. And you look really good in them. Thank you, Rick. You know, in Russian, it's called lepardo. I like that word. Lepardo. Lepardo. Hey, guys. Welcome to Home Group. <laughs> welcome to Home Group. I'm so glad to be with you all. And you know what? We've been answering questions. And I have to tell you, I think this is my most favorite Home Group kind of style of things to do. And we only do it once a year. And I really enjoy these questions and answers. Hey, Paul. Hi. I want to tell you a story that I have not told you yet. All right. Yesterday in Home Group, we were talking about supernatural things. Right. Well, guess what? This morning, I got proof that my wife, Paulina, is an angel. She's actually an angel. How do you know? She woke up this morning with a feather in her hair. Well, I probably <laughs> from the pillow. <laughs> I think she's an angel. Well, I, I think it's great that you think that. <laughs> I, I, and I would like encourage but you since to keep thinking This is questions that. and answers. I have to say something. <laughs> In the Bible, there are no female angels. And there is no evidence anywhere that there are female angels. And I'm going to tell you something else. There is not one place in the entire Bible that is ever recorded that angels sing. Now, I think they do sing, but the Bible never says that. It says the angels say, they say. What about the hallelujah chorus? That is written by Handel. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. But, you know, most people say, wait, 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 wait. When the angels showed up, they said, glory to God in the highest. It says that they said. They did not sing. They said. And to be honest, it seems singing is something that just God gave to us. Well, I have a question. Yeah, yes. Okay, this is not the subject for tonight's questions. But, Lucifer, what did he do then? That's the reason why I think that angels probably do sing, because it seems that he was a worship leader. They had to be doing something. But the point is, is there's not one verse anywhere in the Bible, I challenge you to find it, that says the angels sing. It says they say. I found it. Angels are repeaters. I found it. What? Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. What does it say? And they sang. It's not talking about angels. <laughs> There's a good example of not reading correctly. <laughs> it's talking about the four and twenty elders. You're right. It says and they sang a new song saying. Thou hast redeemed <laughs> us. Angels aren't redeemed. That's by the four and twenty elders. Can see, I read it? See, it's but, so fantastic. But I have to say that's a great example about people need to read more carefully. Make sure you're quoting something correctly, Sister Denise. Can I read it? Because it's our future. Sure. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God. Redeemed. It's, talk, it's the 420 elders. It's not the angels. 
But it is powerful. Redeemed us to God by your blood. By your blood, amen. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings. And priests. And priests to our God. Amen. And we shall reign on the earth. Forever. Well, going back to the birth of Jesus and the host of angels that yeah. showed up to greet Jesus. Right. Uh, these were most likely angels in their chariots and angels. They were warring angels. Warring angels. It says a multitude of the heavenly host. That's armies. Do soldiers sing? No. Soldiers, they say something. They declare things. And when soldiers as a body begin to say something, it's usually very structured and they say it and it comes forth in a very military way. I can imagine the angels saying something, yeah. saying it together, proclaiming something. Angels are sayers. But I cannot really imagine a whole army attempting to sing. Okay, Gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've heard some armies sing beautifully. Yes, I want to say those something. those are orchestras. Those are army orchestras, not the army. But I want to say something has nothing to do with the Bible, and that is when the Russian men in the army sing. Oh my land, it is so powerful. I just want to throw my shoulders back and stand up straight. It is so strong when the Russian army sings. Okay, we got to move on. Be sure to get your free download, The Study Guide, More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner. That's the regular series this week. It comes with The Study Guide and everything on the website is 25% off. Please avail yourself to it and let us know how to pray for you. Joel. Okay, I want to make up a question, but I don't think I should. <laughs> okay, why do some prayers take so long to be answered? Well, I'm not going to answer that question because I think we already answered it on Tuesday night. Faith and patience. Now, there are things, there are factors that can hinder your prayers from being answered. For example, you can, your prayers can be hindered if you have bitterness in your heart. If you've got judgment against somebody. Oh, you can do things internally that will stop you from receiving. But my general answer would be, patience has to be accompanied with your prayers. Next question. Why did an angel in the book of Daniel fight with the prince of Persia for 21 days before that angel finally appeared to Daniel? Okay, let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. And let's look at it. Daniel chapter 10 and see what the Bible says. Oh my goodness. If you're like me, I always have a hard time finding the book of Daniel. Okay, Daniel. Okay, the book of Daniel. First of all, let me tell you a little revelation. In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Daniel is not included among the prophets. Isn't that a shock? Because he wrote after Haggai, Malachi, and Zechariah. And the rabbis say the prophetic period ended with Haggai, Malachi, and Zechariah. And it's interesting, those three guys were buried together in the tomb of the prophets which is on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And they said that when they died, that was the end of the prophetic period. Well, Daniel wrote after that. And so they put Daniel among poetry and literature, but he is a prophet. I don't know how you cannot recognize Daniel as a prophet. And even Jesus called him the prophet Daniel. Daniel was so prophetic. He prophesied world empires. He prophesied the abomination of desolation, promised technology in the end of the age. I mean, Daniel was amazing. But when you come to Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has prayed. And the Bible says that he waited and waited and waited for an answer. 
And finally, in verse 10, Behold, a hand touched me and set me upon my knees, upon the palms of my hands, and said unto me, it was an angel, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this, unto me I stood trembling. Verse 12, And he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Which means sometimes there is demonic resistance to answers. The answer was dispatched. An angel brought the answer that the prince of Persia, who was a principality and power, tried to resist it. And the Bible says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 21 days, but lo, Michael, remember I referred to Michael the other night as being the great resistor. One of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And now I'm come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people. And he begins to prophesy. And then he says in verse 20, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone, lo, the prince of Greece will come. These were principalities and powers that were being fought in the heavenly realms. But this is a spiritual warfare. It doesn't have anything to do with us. This is fought between angels. We do not do cosmic warfare. This is done by angels. It's between angels. And that's, that's what it's referring to. Joel? Next question. In your teaching, seven things to do every day to stay spiritually strong. You talk about developing a life of daily prayer. Can you please give an example of what this looks like and how do I get started? Well, it really bothered me for a long time because I did not understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, pray without ceasing. And the Greek says, pray, pray without a pause, pray without an interval. And I would think, well, how do you do that? How do you pray without ceasing? You, you got to eat, you got to drive, you got to go to work. How do you pray without ceasing? And then I really begin to really understand that in the Jewish mindset, prayer could be a gesture. Prayer could be a bodily movement. Prayer could be a tear. Prayer could be a thought. If you go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, what are they doing? They're moving their bodies like this. You know why? Because the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy soul, all thy strength, all thy might. And they believe that even when they physically move, God perceives it as a prayer. Everything is a prayer if you understand prayer. And so you have to develop a mindset of being prayerful. And you can pray as you're on this. When we sat down here today, we prayed. When we leave here today, I will pray. When I go into my office, I'll say a prayer. It just becomes a daily form of communication with God. It's not something that I do. It's something that I am. But on a practical level, oh, Denise, I guess it's been 12 years ago, I made a decision of really structuring prayer in my life. And so in my series called Seven Things to Do Every Day to Stay Spiritually Strong, I talk about how to develop a life of prayer. And when I wake up in the morning, Denise will tell you this is the truth, I do not lift my head off the pillow without looking up and first praying. My feet never hit the floor without me saying, Jesus is Lord. And I usually say, Lord, the Bible says the day is thine, the night is thine. You have just allowed us into your day. 
And Lord, we want to begin this day by saying thank you for letting us into your time. And we want to glorify you and be productive today. Then I get up, I weigh to see what my weight is, put on my robe, go to the kitchen, push the button on the coffee machine, do my push-ups while I wait for my coffee, grab the thermos, grab my coffee cup, go to the room where I read, sit down, I begin to read my Bible, and as I read, I pray. You can involve prayer in everything you do. You can pray while you drive. You can pray while you're in the shower. Many times we just pray under our breath while we're talking to each other. Pray in tongues. You just have to make a decision to be prayerful. That's the best way I know how to explain it. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray always is not the only thing that we're supposed to do here constantly. You're all supposed to be giving thanks. Rejoice always, pray always, be thankful always. Yep. So there are some things that just need to be in our lives constantly. Yeah, that's right. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to reach for them all the time. And I like these goals that seem to be unattainable. It means that we can always do more. There's always one more thing we can do to understand what it means to rejoice, what it means to be thankful, what it means to pray. There's always one more thing we can do. And if you think you've gotten there, it's actually kind of this eternal, unattainable goal that you're always reaching for, and you can never, get, you can never be the best at it. Just keep doing more of it. Hey Amen. That's good. Joel, next question. Well, I just want to say that recently, I don't know, past month maybe, every time we... Get in our car, start the day. I take the kids to school. I put my hand in the back seat, and Daniel and Mark take my hand, and we pray. Amen. And we do that like, every day. And so one day, I, I forgot. And, and I was taking my foot off the brake, and Daniel felt the car move, and he said, what, what about praying? And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. And so I think building in those habits, not just for yourself, but with other people, it will also keep you in line. You know, I was thinking in church last week because Paul quoted the 91st Psalm. Mm -hmm. And I leaned over to somebody and I said, I bet you I've quoted the 91st Psalm 10,000 times in my life. Thanks, I bet I have. Because when our kids were young, we were quoting the 91st Psalm when they went out the door, when they came in the door, when we got in the car, when we got on a plane. That's a part of being prayerful. Quoting the Word of God is being prayerful. But let's move on to the next question. Okay, this is our last question for today. Do you think the modern-day church or at least in the Western culture, is hyper-focused on what God can do for us. For example, are we too focused on success, prosperity, and answered prayer, and not focused on enough on what we can do for God or His kingdom? Well, I will answer that very truthfully. I think the answer is we are self-obsessed. We're self-focused. Certainly, we want everything that God wants to provide for us. There are promises which God intends for us to take. But there's a world out there that's going to hell. There are people that need to be reached. But the problem is, especially the Western church, has become infected by a last day's mentality. And we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, that in the last days people will be lovers of their own selves, they'll be covetous, self-focused, self-absorbed. And I do think that people just naturally tend to think about themselves their own needs, and they forget that other people have needs too. You can believe for your own needs and believe for other people's needs at the same time. This is one powerful thing about being a partner. I, I really mean it when I say that when you're a partner, you're reaching out of your world into somebody else's world. We all have a need to do that. We have a responsibility to do it, but we have a need to do it. 
We need to get our minds off of ourselves. Of course, you need to receive everything God wants you to have. Absolutely. But hey, you need to think about more than yourself. And not only that, when people just think about themselves, they're never happy. They're just never happy because there's just always something else they want, always something else they need. You need to get your mind off yourself. You need to start thinking about other people that are unsaved, other people that are lost, other people that are in a condition worse than yours, that you could do something to make a difference in their life, become a partner. It's so simple to change somebody's life. And you'll go to bed feeling better about yourself. Wow, I did something for somebody else today. I'm making a sacrifice that's for somebody besides me and my own. I think it's really important. Denise? Well, I, I think that when we choose to give, that, that's when we're acting like Jesus because, because God gave. God gave Jesus. God is a giver. And, of course, that's the other side of the coin. I mean, He gives and we receive, but He doesn't just want us just to receive. He wants us to also give. Mm -hmm. And like Rick was saying, you're never happy if all you're doing is taking. Mm -hmm. But when you get to give, Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. So mm -hmm. Jesus knew what he was talking about to say that it's better to give than receive. And Mama, the Bible says to the giver, the seed is given. And, and it's really the truth. When you give, you're given to. And you can continue to give to more people. You know what? It's like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has no outlet. It just receives. That's really amazing. All that living water flows into the Dead Sea and it dies because it never goes anywhere. And I think that when you as a Christian just receive and receive, and re it creates a disastrous spiritual condition in your life. It was never intended to be like that. There has to be an outlet where you give to somebody else. And scientists say that if it were possible to form an outlet for the Dead Sea, the waters of the Dead Sea would come alive. They would teem with life. But because it's just a receiver, it's dead. Isn't that amazing? I think it's like, it's like a, a visual sermon God gave to the church that we need to always have an outlet. We need to be receiving and we need to be giving. Okay, I have one last question. Yes. And this question is from Daniel Renner. Uh, your son. Yes. He asked a question last night, and I, I, I really don't know the answer. Often Jesus performed a miracle, and he told that person who received the miracle, don't tell anybody. Why did he do that? Because he knew he would be swamped with people. He wanted to be able to help people. And so many people showed up when news of a miracle took place that it affected his ability to get about. And that's why Jesus said, please just keep, don't, don't tell anybody about this, because there were more people that he wanted to touch. And if people showed up, in massive droves, he wouldn't be able to get to some people. It's so amazing because in today's world, you know, if something great happens, social media, you want everybody to know about it. Jesus, he was like, just keep it to yourself. Let's just keep this miracle between us. Amen. Paul, have you enjoyed tonight? I've enjoyed it very much, even though you said Polina was not an angel. I said it was good that you think she is. Well, I'll just keep thinking she's an angel. And I said you keep thinking that she's an angel. Right, I will. And did she realize she had a feather in her hair? Actually, she pointed it out to me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. Well, have a good evening and goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.